This is the Heal from Toxic Relationships podcast with me, Dr. Sarah, empowering you to heal from painful relationships to rediscover your self-worth and confidence because you are ready to be the best version of yourself. Why are narcissists attractive? Oh my God. Um, so I felt like this was actually a really important topic for me to talk about because it feels so uncomfortable and even that question in itself might ruffle some feathers uh, because why would anyone believe that a narcissist is attractive? Actually, often we label narcissists very negatively and um, there are a lot of difficult emotions that are attached to narcissism. Or sorry, seeing somebody with narcissistic traits. But here it is. This is the reason why lots of people end up in relationships with other people who have narcissistic traits. So, and when I'm talking about narcissistic traits, I am not diagnosing anyone with uh, narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder, um, because as we know with a personality disorder, it is a spect spectrum. And so what that means is, is that there are multiple traits that come under narcissism. And so some traits may transpire maybe in some people and not in other people. So it's kind of like a, you know, it's almost like, well, I might have four of the symptoms, but not all 10 or, you know, more than that. So let's begin. Why are narcissists so attractive? Well, let's really slow down and figure out what is narcissism to begin with. And the thing is, we tend to view narcissistic individuals as being arrogant, as being so self-centered, as being dickheads, basically. That's, that's the common narrative around what narcissists are actually like. But the truth is, is that narcissists have got a very fragile sense of self, and this is what makes them attractive. So what that means is, is that people who are narcissistic, more often than not, actually have experienced childhood traumas. They've actually experienced a lot of difficulties in the past, which have led them to a place whereby they really have no idea who they are. They really question themselves. They question their very essence and their very worth. And so basically what that means is, is that they're constantly in a cycle of self-doubt in terms of this question of, am I good enough here? And they're often actually in a really heightened state of anxiety when they are in that space. And so whenever they're really anxious about this question of, am I good enough here? Do people actually like me? Do they think that I'm worthy enough? Am I safe enough around these people? Can I trust them? Um, are they being honest with me when they're being my friends or when they're doing X, Y, and Z with me? Because it's a really painful state for them to be in, because having that narrative, that level of questioning about themselves, their essence or their self-worth, that is a really uncomfortable and a painful place to be in. And so what ends up happening is, is that they just fully avoid looking at that through defending their fragile sense of self. And so basically what happens as a subconscious mechanism is, I don't want to look 
at the questions, the doubts that I have about myself. I don't want to look at the questions and doubts I have about my self-worth, about the uncertainty of, do people really like me? Am I really good enough for humanity, for other people? And also, is life worth living? Because it can actually escalate to some pretty serious issues. And so a form of defense to avoid looking at those really painful questions or those painful doubts is to inflate their sense of self, which basically means that they end up making themselves really grandiose. They present themselves as being really important, as being really intelligent, as being really athletic, really good looking, really wealthy, that they possess all of these really great qualities, qualities that we measure as a society as being successful. So they're successful in their career. They've got an amazing car. They've got a great house. They've got lots of money. They're attractive. They're fit. They, they do X, Y, and Z. They're popular. They have lots of friends. All of these things that we in society may measure or use as measures of success, they tend to use that exact measure and really inflate themselves across the board. And so they appear as though they're really successful. They appear as though they're doing really well in life. And so on one hand, objectively, if you don't get too close to this person, you look at them and you think, well, they are doing really well in life. Good for them. But when you get close to them, and when I say close, you don't even have to be that close. You could be a colleague, or you could be a friend, or you could be a co-worker. You could just be in the same shared space, whatever that space is, friend of a friend. And what you start to realize when you're interacting with this person is that they are arrogant, that they actually really make it out to look as though they are more successful than you. They are better than you. And whatever thought you are having, whatever it is that you're saying, whatever it is you are expressing or that you're doing or that you're trying to succeed in, hold up because they've done it already. They can think faster than you. They know exactly what it is that you're going to say before it is that you say it. So they just cut you off mid-sentence because actually why waste their time? And they just amp themselves up in front of you. And so what happens is because they are defending that fragile sense of self, that question of themselves in terms of, am I good enough here? Because they're working really, really hard to defend that. And they don't know what to do with it. What they ultimately do is that they have to bump themselves up. Because the question really then becomes about worth, personal worth. And in some weird constructed way, because of their background, because of their history, they believe that one person ultimately becomes more important than another person. That it's not really feasible, even though logically they might understand everybody is equal, but emotionally that vulnerable side of them, that, that inner child in them that was attacked or that experienced trauma, the inner child in them that may have been neglected or abandoned, that inner child believes that one person always wins in the situation or one person is always more important. One person is always more worthy and more seen, more appreciated, more valued than the other person. So basically what that means as well as they grow older is that if you and I are in a relationship or we're in a dynamic or we work together or whatever it is, one of us 
has to be better than the other person. And I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be the person who is criticized because I've been criticized before. It hurts. I already criticized myself. I already doubt how good enough I am in my own head. That is a really painful place to be in. And I can't tolerate sitting in that place. So I'm going to do my very, very best to come out on top. So I am going to do whatever it takes that I present myself as being better than you. Because remember, only one person here is winning and I'm definitely not going to be the person who's losing. And so when you're coming in with that particular narrative, FYI, this narrative is not conscious process, but actually it's a subconscious process. And so it's something that is not really necessarily at the forefront of their mind that they're thinking, hey, I need to beat you or I need to be better than you. Um, sometimes it might be, but but more often than not, it's something that they express subconsciously and something that they're actually really wanting to do from a subconscious level so it protects their fragile ego, their fragile sense of self-worth. And so they present themselves as being super grandiose, which for some people on the receiving end of it, when they see the arrogance, when they see the um the like doing one over or being better than you, some people who are securely attached look at it and they think, ick, that's really ugly, that's really horrible, and I don't like it. And so naturally they just withdraw, they move away, and that's okay. But for some other people, the people who find narcissists attractive, actually they become attractive for multiple different reasons. So at the very start, when you've just met this person, you don't actually know who they are and you're getting to know them, you see all the metrics of success. You see that they've got the car, they've got the house, they've got the money, they've got the career, they've got the health, they've got the wealth, they've got, they've got everything sorted. And there's something quite attractive about that because you think, okay, so this person must be doing really well. They must be really intelligent. They must have good values. They look after themselves. And so by that very nature, because somebody it like meets the stereotypical, the societal definition of what success is, naturally they become more attractive. The other reason as well is because when you start entering a relationship with someone who is narcissistic, they slowly reveal glimpses. I really mean glimpses. They slowly reveal short bursts of their vulnerability. And that in itself is really attractive. And so they may be within a relationship saying to you, oh, I just, I really don't know how good enough I or they may be telling you some sad story about what it was like growing up in terms of their family and they don't tell you the entire thing but you hear glimpses of it and your heart goes out to them because it is horrendous it does feel really really sad and so what do you end up doing you end up being really attracted to that vulnerable side you want to care for that vulnerable side because they've shown you some innocence there they've shown you that question of their self their lack of self-worth and so you want to care for that part. And so what other reasons makes them so attractive? Well, in the process of them really inflating their own sense of worth and they show off their grandiosity at the very start of a relationship, usually at the start, sometimes it continues, more often than not it doesn't. But at the start of a relationship, 
as they're really inflating their sense of self-worth and they look as though they're really successful, they're doing really, really well, they also bring you up with them. And so you will be treated very well. They will offer you whatever it is that they've got to offer. And so, for example, they might be taking you out on fancy dinners, they might be buying you gifts, they might be taking you out on trips. Like, I remember one of my clients, she started dating a narcissist. I saw her after a while, but she was telling me that after a week of them meeting, he paid for them to go to Paris for a few days and he paid for the entire trip. And so there's something very luring about that, right? There's something very attractive about that because it's exciting, it's new, and actually you're being looked after, you're being cared for. But even through that act of them doing something so grandiose, like these big gestures for you, there's something within that message where you feel, oh, wow, I'm being really seen here, I'm being really attended to here, I'm being really cared for here. You know, this person must really love who I am and must really appreciate me. And so what happens in that particular moment? Well, you get sucked in and actually they become super attractive in that moment because they're treating you so very well. They're putting you up on a pedestal. But bearing in mind the reason why they treat you so well in the beginning is because of their fragile sense of self, because actually they're really anxious about themselves and how it is that they're seen. So how does this link? Well, when they're really anxious about themselves, am I good enough? Do people really like me? Am I really worth the relationship? Are people really going to fall in love with me? When they have all of these questions of doubts about themselves, they almost have to go over the top to give reasons for the people as to why you should love me. You should love me because I've done so much for you. You should love me because I love you so much. You should love me because I've given you all of this attention, all of this care. I have showered you in praise, in gifts, whatever it might be. And so they're working really, really hard to show that other person, hey, look, I am worthy of love. And so these grand gestures that you get is mostly a sign of I'm worthy of love. But the reason why they end up becoming so attractive to other people is because on the other side of it, you are experiencing amazing treatment from this person. And so how is that not attractive? So I'd really want you to kind of sit back and really consider these reasons and actually whether you've ever seen them in anyone. And so that might be a relationship that you've fallen into recently or in the past, or it might be something that you have seen in other people. And just really question yourself, what might have been going on under the hood here? Because when people often talk about narcissism, they speak about it in such negative terms. They speak about it like it's such a um, toxic trait. And you're right in the sense that there can be a lot of toxicity involved within that. But at the same time, there is a really fragile sense of self. It is a fragile narcissist that you're seeing there. And so when we think about it more from that perspective, that actually the narcissist has some level of fragility, we can then start to understand, okay, so this is the reason why I got so attracted to you. It wasn't because of your grandiose sense of self, but actually it was because of your fragile self that you were enacting or that you were defending against or that you exposed to me. 
It was actually the fragile bit that I was attracted to. And so I would really urge you, if you've ever experienced a trauma bond or you've been in a difficult relationship with someone who's narcissistic, I would really urge you to step back and consider what is it that I like about this particular person? What is it that I like in terms of their characteristics, in terms of their values? Do we have the shared, same shared values? Do I feel respected here? Do I feel cared for here as in genuinely who I am? Do I respect and care for this individual? Do we both have the same long-term vision together? Do I feel like they treat me well, they show me love every single day? Do I feel as though I am fully accepted just the way that I am? Or am I being attracted to something here that relates to this individual's fragile sense of self? Am I being pulled into wanting to care for that person who feels really unlovable, who feels really unworthy? Is that what's pulling me into the relationship? Am I being pulled into the relationship because actually I've just been put up on a pedestal and I've had all of these grand gestures of love and so there's something in me that's getting pulled in that direction. So I'd really urge you to just pause and think, what is it really about this dynamic that gets you so attracted to this individual? Because the more clear you are on that, whether it's the genuine characteristics or the shared values, and you can really label that rather than talking about it being so magical and and kind of in vague terms. But when you can really recognize that this is a relationship that is based on shared values, that's based on respect and unconditional love and care, then it becomes clearer to see that this is a healthy relationship. Whereas actually, if you are just simply looking to care for that fragile self, then there is a risk of being in a slippery slope whereby you get absorbed in this toxic dynamic. And so I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are if you've experienced this or if you've seen anybody else experiencing this. And until next time, take care.